Welcome to the New Mind Creator Podcast with your host, Maurice, the New Mind Creator. Today, I will be interviewing Kevin Rose. Please make sure to hit the subscribe button so that you'll receive alerts when new episodes are available each week on Sundays. I remember when I was about eight years old, I believe, eight to nine years old. I began playing baseball, and this is an interesting thing that I used to do because there weren't many uh, kids at the time in my little neighborhood that enjoyed baseball as much as I did. So when I would watch a game on TV, and my favorite team was the Yankees, the New York Yankees. Hmm. So I would take a mop stick, uh, old mop stick, so I would break the mop part off and I'll just use that small stick and I would toss up little bottle caps in the air and I would just swing and imagine in my mind that I was one of the great baseball players and I would miss it so many times. <laughs> and after a while, I started hitting it. And I didn't realize that I was increasing my hand-eye coordination. So when I began actually playing baseball, no one could strike me out because my bat speed was so impeccable just because of doing that. And I really didn't even realize what I was doing. So um, I thought it was a bad thing that kids weren't playing with me, but it turned out to be a really good thing. Um, I know uh, you're into baseball as well. Uh, how has your experience been with baseball? Well, I grew up playing baseball, uh, little league all through right before junior high school and um, loved it, loved the game. Uh, never been spectacular at it, um, but I loved playing. So that, that was, uh, that was kind of my background growing up. And then I actually kind of set down the ball game as I was moving on through life. And then a couple of years ago, I live outside of Orlando. And so I'm close to Tampa Bay and I decided to start, um, start getting back into it. And I've really enjoyed getting back into the Tampa Bay Rays, much to my wife's chagrin, <laughs> uh, baseball season is coming up. So I'm, I'm really looking forward to, to watching the games again. Yeah. Wow. So I didn't realize you were um, so close. I'm in uh, Jacksonville, North Florida. Oh, okay. Yeah, we're close then. We're neighbors. Yeah. Yeah, I know. Um, I haven't watched uh, intently the World Series as much as I used to watch it. I remember – I mean, it's just so, I don't know. Baseball is such a fascinating game to me. And I realize a lot of people, um, the negative is, oh, it's too slow and it's boring. But playing it and watching it in person is like a whole different experience than just a casual watch for sure. Oh, yeah. It's like a chess game. People don't realize it's, it's, it's absolutely uh, methodical. And it's a pitching game. So to me, there's nothing more relaxing than kicking back on the couch and watching a game. Yeah. I, I, love, I love the slowness of it. Life, life's too fast anyway. So I enjoy that. True, true. I was talking to someone the other day and I was uh, just talking about um, slowing down in life. I remember as a kid, I could hear the birds chirping. The sun seemed to be so bright 
and the colors on the trees were so vibrant. But becoming an adult, it seemed like I was rushing from one thing to the other and not really tasting and enjoying life. And the, and the way we do that is by slowing down mm. and being able to uh, experience the day that you're in because we're constantly in our minds. We can go anywhere so we can play the past as a loop in our mind and keep focusing on it. And we can also plan for the future. But the only thing we really have is today, right now, Amen. we have, you know, that's so so that's the richness of life, as you're saying, slowing down. And we all need to do that at some point. Yeah, it's been, uh, I think, since the advent of um, of the Internet. You know, and I've, I don't know how old you are, but uh, I was in I was in my late 20s when it, you know, when, when the personal computer uh, really started exploding. And, you know, it was since since that time period, I've, I've noticed an intensely uh, speed up of things. It's been remarkable. Yes, yes, it definitely has this good and this bad. So, it has yeah, to- absolutely. Yeah, everyone who's participating have to really uh, look out for themselves and make sure they don't overindulge. I know you uh, uh, talked a little as we were speaking beforehand about surfing as well. I've never surfed before. How is that? Well, I tell you, you might want to try. I'm a really terrible surfer, Maurice, but I get tumbled a lot and I just love being in. uh, I love being in the water and uh every now and then i'll get up and it's kind of i've got friends that play golf and they say the only reason they keep playing golf is they get that one sweet hit every now and then and so same thing for me with surfing i I catch that one wave every now and then and it keeps me going and it you know it's for me it's solitude it's me in the ocean and uh it's uh, the one time during the week that i can really just wind down and and let everything go so i i love it i absolutely love it uh-huh. So, Kevin, I know you've been a manual therapist for over 25 years. Now, what exactly is a manual therapist? Manual therapist uh, works with their hands. So I'm licensed as a massage therapist, uh, but I'm not limited to what I do to just massage techniques. I've studied with osteopaths, chiropractors, acupuncture um, physicians, and so I've learned uh, a lot of different approaches to use my hands other than just through massage therapy. So that's, that's really the definition of a manual therapist is just a hands-on therapist that helps people uh, facilitate their own self-healing process. So did you always know that's something that you wanted to do or did it just come about no, actually, it just it just kind of surfaced. I was a tropical plant broker for many years, and um, the tropical plant business, the end that I was in, kind of uh, kind of lost its steam. And I knew I needed to get into something else. And at the time, I had a good friend that said, um, "Hey, you got great hands. You should be a massage therapist." And so I said, "Okay." <laughs> so that was about that was about uh, the technical aspect of me becoming a massage therapist. Uh, but I've really enjoyed learning about the human body. I've learned 
so much about anatomy and physiology, not in just humans, but also animals, and our learning about our healing potential, which is absolutely unlimited. So our healing potential, um, and you can correct me if I'm wrong and kind of lead us into whatever uh, we need to understand about it. So is, is it more so of us, you helping people set their body in the right um, atmosphere or the right um, positioning so then the body itself will do the healing that needs to be done? That's correct. So if you consider that everything in this universe uh, is about motion, uh, it's about movement. And so if something is restricted in movement, then it requires a lot of energy to maintain that restriction. And if energy is being used to maintain a restriction, it can't be used for efficiency. Does that make sense? Yes. And so my job is to create mobility uh, in people's uh, anatomy and physiology. Uh, had a had a mentor once and his whole line was, uh, correct the structure and the function will follow. So if we correct something in the structure that is dysfunctional, then the function, uh, the good health will follow. Mm. So, yeah, that's, that's fascinating to learn. And I've just began learning more about even uh, the foods that we put into our bodies mm. and how it's important for us to put in things that assimilate so meaning it's going in the same direction and not something that has no nutritional value and goes in the opposite direction so as you were speaking it reminded me of that because you you're saying set it in that place and then the body will definitely uh, do what it needs to do absolutely i mean food is food is essential right food and water food and clean water and clean air uh, those are the basic uh, basic building blocks for us, and so we've we were talking about the, how fast society is. You know, we've we've kind of gone down the road of the processed food uh, world uh, because it's easy and it's fast. But the bottom line is, is in the end, uh, it may not be. Well, I can pretty much guarantee you that it's not as efficient as when you're eating fresh foods and, and drinking good water. So very important sure so why, why is it important for you to empower individuals to achieve that wellness um you know maurice i think i think it's best described there's a uh, an author named richard bach and he said uh we we practice what we teach what we most need to learn and so um, growing up and my life uh, has been, was pretty volatile. And so I think that I've kind of gotten set in this place uh, so that I can be more efficient, uh, not only as a human being uh, in society, but I can also be a better parent. So for me, you know, when I'm helping someone, I'm, I'm just as much helping myself because I, I'm learning from everyone. Mm. So did you have to go on your own wellness journey? Oh, of course. I'm still on it. <laughs> I, don't, I don't know if it ever ends. You know, I mean, uh, being human means to be fallible, means to be, you know, means to make 
make uh, bad decisions at times and erroneous uh, actions, but that's part of the journey. Um, you know, in order to in order to heal and and move through those. So the healing journey, um, I don't think it ever ends, and I think we're always on it. Um, my own healing journey has has helped me to um, help others, and I think it's also created compassion uh, from me to be able to uh, hold that space for others. Mm. Yeah, it's it's really interesting to note that. There are some people who seemingly take a long time, if never come to the realization that they need to make change. And it's imperative that they make change in order to go to the next level, because I believe there are levels in life and we can choose to stay at a level and we can still live, but we won't thrive as much as we can as if as opposed to taking on that challenge. Because anytime we break through a plateau or a plateau, there's a challenge involved, but there's also great reward as well. Absolutely. Um, and I think from my experience, just with my own life, I think so much, uh, so much of the time that fear of change is what keeps us in the same place, even if that place is dysfunctional. We don't know what's on the other side. And so sometimes dysfunction, known dysfunction, uh, is seemingly more comfortable uh, than health. Yeah. So what led you down the path to have even a desire to study human and animal interaction? Um, it started 20 years ago. Um, on I've, I've always been involved with animals and as I became a massage therapist, um, I began, I became more intrigued with uh, human anatomy and physiology. And then 20 years ago, 9-11 uh, happened, right? And so I was sitting on the beach wondering what I was supposed to do to help this whole situation. And I just got a really clear directive um, from, I don't know, whatever you want to call it, God, spirit, the universe. Uh, and it said that we were going to war and I was to create a program to help those coming home feel grounded and peaceful. Um, it was the most clear directive I've ever heard in my life. Um, I'm not a super religious person by any means, but, but I'll, I'll have to say um, that it was directed by God. And so I started on this journey of, of figuring out what this program was supposed to be. I uh, began working with a doctor who provided um, free sessions for combat veterans uh, coming back, reintegration sessions. And what I noticed was the combat veterans, we could get them to relax, uh, but as soon as they got off the table, they would pop right back up into that stressed place. And uh, in hindsight, what I recognize now was the fight, flight, or freeze response uh, just being on full tilt. And so it was, it was almost impossible to turn it down. Uh, the same doctor, he actually um, developed a modality called craniosacral therapy. His name is Dr. Upledger. And hundreds of thousands of therapists have studied under him. And so I was working in his clinic and I had the opportunity to be exposed to a lot of different uh, protocols and modalities. 
And uh, at one class, a woman stood up and said that she was working hands-on with wolves using the craniosacral therapy to help them heal their injuries. And she was going to start a class and wondered if anybody was interested. Well, I beelined over there because I, I love animals. And so long story short, I ended up at this place where she works on the animal, where she works on the wolves called Wolf Park. And it's in Battleground, Indiana. And I had the opportunity to work hands-on um, with the wolves. And when I first walked into the enclosure, it's about a 30-acre enclosure. Wolf Park is a ethology park that they study the wolf pack in their natural habitat. And so I walk into this big enclosure and with, with other people from the facility uh, and this pack of seven wolves that they were studying comes charging up this hill right at me. Well, Maurice, I don't know if you've ever seen a wolf in real life, but they're about 125, 150 pounds. They're massive animals. And I'm the new guy. <laughs> so <laughs> they're charging at me and they come up to me and they create this really tight circle around me and they're bumping and growling because my energy level is so raised and I'm challenging the hierarchical situation. So I didn't really, I was frozen. I mean, really almost in fear. And many years ago when I was about 12, my grandmother taught me this really simple technique, a uh, simple grounding technique to bring my um, stress levels down. And so I thought, well, that's what I'm going to do. And as soon as I did that, Maurice, the wolves literally just walked away. They dissipated. They, they walked away from me. And I was like, that is amazing. Did that really happen? Well, I'm a huge fan of the scientific method. So I thought, you know what? I'm going to test it. So I raised my stress levels back up. And as soon as I did, they came right back in around me and surrounded me bumping and growling. Well, once again, I, I used this simple technique. I grounded myself. And when I did, once again, they walked away. And I thought, you know what, this is the dynamic that I need uh, to work with these combat veterans. If I can, it's basically, it's like live biofeedback, except they're not hooked up to a computer. If I could bring these combat vets in close proximity with predator animals, uh, elevate that stress response in a controlled, safe manner, and then teach them how to turn it down, I had a feeling that that would be incredibly um, successful in helping to lower that fight, flight, or freeze response. And 10 years later and 10 years into the program, that's exactly what has happened. So is the significance of using the wolves is because they are predatory animals? Yeah, I now I work with big cats. Uh, so I've kind of changed. I work with a rescue animal sanctuary here in Apopka is where I live. And the, the basis is this. So I had tried it working with dogs and, and horses, but it just didn't have the same dynamic. So what we do, basically, person will show up. I teach them this really simple technique, which I'm happy to show you here in a second, but I'll teach them this simple technique. Um, we approach the enclosures and we're always working through the fence, but we're still right next to a 400 pound tiger. So as we walk up, the person will begin um, getting a little 
excited or maybe even fearful and I have them think of a stressful thought. I don't ask any details. And as they think of that stressful thought and their stress levels rise, the animal begins to react and respond to their stress levels. I then teach them, I then remind them of this technique, uh, grounding technique, and as they ground, the animal then follows that as well. So they can literally watch the animal react and just respond to how they're feeling. And the reason for the predatory animals is because it elicits that fight, flight, or freeze response, but I can do it without, you know, the fear coming in behind it. Does that make sense? Yes. Yes. Okay. So what's the grounding technique your grandmom taught you? All right. Are you ready? I'm going to teach you now. Okay. All right. Uh, do you have something to drink in the room with you, Maurice? Yes. Okay. So we're going to, is it in a cup or a bottle? What do, what do you hold and what, do you, what is it in? It is a gallon of water in a jug. Okay. Good enough. So here's what I'm going to have you do. Um, I want you to, first of all, I want you to wiggle your toes and feel yourself sitting in the seat or standing, whatever you're doing. But wiggling your toes brings you down through your whole body, brings total body awareness. And as you're doing that, what, I want, what I'd like you to do is bring something stressful to mind. Okay. You have something? Yes. Okay. So as you're thinking about that stress and as you're rolling it around in your head, notice where in your body that stress begins to translate. Like, do you feel it in your shoulders or your neck? What, what do you begin to notice? Uh, feel it in my stomach. Okay. And if I were to ask you to quantify that zero out of 10, zero being no stress, 10 is excruciating stress. Where would you put that in this moment? What number would you give that in this moment? Uh, eight. Okay. So as you're noticing that eight, what I'd like you to do is I'd like you to pick up that jug of water and hold it in your hand, hold it on your lap, whatever you need to do, but really bring your awareness down to your fingers. Notice the texture of the jug. Is it cool or is it warm? Notice if it's rough or it's smooth. Lift it up to your mouth and take a drink. And as you're doing that, smell what smells are there. Take a drink, taste the water, listen to it as you swallow. And then as you bring the jug down, really pay attention to your fingers again. Pay attention to the texture of the jug. And zero out of 10, measure where that stress level is now. Five. All right. So how long did that take us, Maurice? Uh, some seconds, it seems. Right. Right. And so here's the thing. I'm not distracting you away from that stress. Stress distracts you out of your body. Okay. And it takes you into your mind. It takes you into the thinking mind. So what I'm doing is when you're in that stressful place, I'm actually bringing you back into your body. And what happens is the body then goes, oh, he's here and begins to lower that stress level. All right. So if you think about if you think about this explanation, um, when you're hungry, you eat. Right. When you're thirsty, you drink. When you're tired, you sleep. The body gives biological cues, hunger, thirst, and fatigue, and then you just respond, right? I could ask a million different people this, those same three questions. What do you do when you're hungry, um, thirsty, or sleepy? And I would get the same three responses, basically, from the million people. But if I asked a million different people, what do you do when you're stressed? I would get a million different answers. 
And so basically, though, stress and pain, those are just biological cues. And all our body is asking us to do is come back down inside the body and be fully present. And when that happens, it just continues on its way. So you don't just eat once, drink once, and sleep once. You're constantly counterbalancing those biological cues with your action of eating, drinking, and sleeping. You don't just stress out once, right? You're doing it your whole life. But if you wiggle your toes and engage all five senses at once, what that does is it tells your body, okay, I'm here. And then that, then the body says, okay, he's counterbalanced that cue so we can back off for a minute. Now, it doesn't make the stressful situation necessarily go away, but what it does is it puts you in a place where you can navigate through that stress and pain with much more ease. Well, yeah, that is, I mean, that makes a lot of uh, sense to me and uh, really simplistic the way you taught it as well. So it can be replicated, which is absolutely. Yeah. 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 I'm, I'm a huge fan of the scientific method. And so um, replication is the key. And I'll tell you that there's not one person that I ever teach this that can't do it mm -hmm. because it is so simple. And when you begin to think about the counterbalance that you're that you're providing instead of trying to get rid of stress and pain which you can never do in life all you can do is counterbalance it then your body begins to take on this new kind of programming and you actually create a new neural pathway so instead of freaking out when you get stressed if you immediately begin grounding yourself, wiggling your toes and engaging all your senses and you, and you feel the outcome of that change, which you did, right? I mean, you dropped almost 30, 40%. After you do this over and over and over, it creates a new neural pathway. So when you get stressed, now what you begin doing is just grounding yourself. And sure. again, it means, you know, it doesn't mean that the stressful situation is going to disappear. But again, it, you, you can navigate it with much more ease. Yes. And as you said, because you create the new neural pathways, it becomes an automatic response the way you want it to be instead of this fearful and anxiety provoking response. That's right. And the fear and anxiety you know, that's, that serves a purpose, right? It, it, as through evolution, it's kept us from getting eaten by big animals in the wild, right? But it doesn't necessarily serve a purpose all the time. So when you can break that cycle, uh, not only is, does it create ease of navigation, but what it does, it begins to create better balance in your body. And so movement now occurs in your emotions in a way that are more healthy for the whole structure. So when I work with structure and function, I'm not just working with the physical because the mental and emotional are always uh, part of the package. I don't delve into the, to the background of the mental and emotional, but what I do is create emotion so that people aren't stuck in that cycle of over and over and over again. True. So what do you think has been your most fascinating discovery so far 
you know, concerning this human-animal interaction? Uh, just really seeing how nature and everything reacts and responds to us. Um, you know, it really is that simple. We work with the animals, but we also work with nature. We work with the wind. We work with the birds and the trees because as I get stressed, nature responds back. So if you think about there is a... Um, there's a theory in physics, it's called resonance. Uh, it's actually a phenomenon, it's a physics uh, phenomenon, it's called resonance. Uh, and resonance is when you have two objects that are attuned to the same frequency, if one of those objects begins to shake or move, the other object will shake and move as well. So uh, for example, you can have two acoustic guitars tuned to the same frequency. You can in a room and you can pluck the string on one guitar and the other guitar will literally make that tone uh, without touching it. And that's resonance. Um, airplane engines are attuned to a different frequency than the metal, because if it if that doesn't happen, the airplane will shake apart in the sky. So it's literally a physics phenomenon. But what happens is if you think about how we react and respond, and then how something on our same frequency is going to react and respond. So you can tell if your friend is angry, correct? Yes. You don't even have to know what the situation, you can just tell that they're angry. It's because you're on the same frequency and you have an idea of what that anger is uh, or, or how that anger shows itself because you're attuned to the same frequency. So if we're walking through life angry and stressed, guess what we're doing to society? Guess what we're doing to our community? We're doing the same thing. And so what happens is that anger and stress just grows and grows and grows. And I think that that's what we're seeing right now in the world. I think we're seeing the culmination of years of stress and anxiety and frustration that are just bubbling to the surface. Yeah, that is definitely fascinating to note. We are responding to each other. Absolutely. Yeah, absolutely. At, yeah, at a deep level. And it and the words that we say are just a symptom of what's going on internally, the unspoken with our voice, because oh. we're speaking all the time but we are speaking on a different level, a different frequency as you were de uh, just articulating. So that's fascinating to me. Yeah. I mean, I don't know if you have kids, but I have a daughter, a 10 year old daughter and she's got my number, man. You know what I mean? <laughs> if I'm, if I'm in a bad place, she just comes up and rubs my head. You know what I mean? It's, it's amazing to watch. She absolutely knows. And I can, be as, I can be trying to cover it up with all of my might, and she is just, she sees right through it. And that's the innocence of a child. That's just remarkable. And, but that's taught me, that's been another really valuable lesson for me is, you know, look, you may think you're hiding it, but people feel it. Yeah. So why do you think I, I have an idea, but why do you think we lose that? Because it seems like we all have it at a really young age and then we just lose it. It almost seems to some degree. 
Yeah, I mean, I think it gets pushed in the background because we think we have to protect ourselves. Um, I think the level of vulnerability isn't accepted in society. And so if you show any vulnerability, somebody may eat you. <laughs> I think that's the, I think that's the, th if, if, to oversimplify the thought process. Um, that's, that's the only thing I can think because my kid doesn't care what anybody thinks, right? She just has fun. She doesn't hurt anybody. She doesn't, she's not mean to people. She's super nice to people and she's vulnerable. And there's just so much beauty in that. And I think that that's really basically what we've, what we've been pushed away from, um, you know, by choice, some of it, um, but also uh, just kind of going along with the flow of life. We, we lose our sense of the moment, just exactly what we were talking about before. True. So the catalyst program you created is, is that this that you're speaking of, or is it something different? No, that's it. The, the catalyst is it's the human animal interaction experience um, where I teach people to go from feeling totally stressed out to absolutely calm in just seconds. But I do it by bringing them in the end face to face with a tiger, with several tigers. Actually, we work through the fences, as I said, but they're working closer to an alpha predator than they may ever work. And in the end, <clears throat> excuse me, when we do that last approach with the tigers, we've actually I've actually trained them with smaller around smaller animals to watch how the nature and animals react and respond uh, to their stress levels. And so by the end, when we get to the tigers, their stress levels don't shoot up like they like they were before. And so they can literally be next to an alpha predator and call. So how has the how has the feedback been so far? I know you've been doing it for quite a few years now. So what's the feedback of the veterans? Feedback of the veterans is, is remarkable. Um, you know, I, I, I always hesitate to, to give the feedback because it sounds almost impossible, but <clears throat> excuse me, in literally a 90 minute session, I give this example. I had a guy, uh, one of my clients is a, um, a Vietnam veteran. And so for 50 years, he's walking around with this stress that's just incredible, this stress load. And he was actually beginning to consider suicide. And he came through the program. And in 90 minutes, I showed him this really simple technique so that we could turn down that fight, flight, or freeze response. And it absolutely changed his life. And that same thing has happened with every veteran that's come through the program because I'm giving them a tool, I'm giving them a technique that, that empowers them so that when they get in those places of feeling like they're spinning out, they have something they can do. And what that does is it, it empowers them just immensely to know that there's something you can actually do when you start feeling this, uh, when you start feeling all this stress and anxiety. Um, the reason I teach this and I and I explain to them um, about the physiology of it. And basically, there's a, a structure in your brainstem. It's called the reticular activating system. <clears throat> Pardon me. And that reticular activating system basically takes all the information from the environment and assimilates it into your brain. So all your sensory input comes through this reticular activating system and then is assimilated 
um, by your brain. So it has basically two settings. One is uh, that that occurrence is known. And the other is that that occurrence is a threat. And what happens when a threat comes in or a perceived threat comes in, it kicks off that fight, flight, or freeze response. And so when that fight, flight, or freeze response kicks off, which is the uh, racing heart, the sweating, the fast breathing, and you're all amped up, sometimes it can be difficult to come out of that. And so these men and women that have been in these wartime arenas, you know, they're, they're deluged with that the whole time while they're there. And so their reticular alarm system says that everything is a threat. And so their fight, flight, or freeze response is way high. And what I'm doing by showing them this technique is I'm helping to lower that fight, flight, or freeze response and showing the reticular activating system that there's another way. And because it's so simple, the body is always looking for balance, it will take that best way, which is grounding. And so as a result, I've, I've just seen remarkable changes in the combat vets, as well as other people. I'm open to the public. Um, it's always free to combat vets, uh, but I've, I've taken hundreds of people through this program. And I got to tell you, Maurice, it's, it's a life-changing experience. It sounds like it because you hear the stories, the horror stories of veterans, even Vietnam veterans, um, and they go through these hardships and it's psychological hardship and fears and all these different things. And a lot of them commit suicide. Yeah. So just think of how many people you're helping to not go in that direction because they just don't know what to do because uh, you alluded earlier that, you know, they go through, sometimes they go through uh, therapy and, you know, these different things, but when they get up and walk out, they're back in the same situation again, and they don't know how to properly respond. And you are really taking that on and just helping so many people and affecting all of the people who they are connected to, their family, their friends, so they are be able to live a more prosperous uh, life because of this system. That's the key, man. Is is how it when I when I work with one person, I'm not working with that one person. I'm working with their family, their friends, uh, their coworkers, because once again, the physics phenomenon of residence, right? If, I, if that person goes out into society with a more calm demeanor, uh, it's going to affect everything around them. And so that's, that's really the key. I, I've taken over the past five years about 100 combat vets through the program. And I, 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 of course, always wish that number could grow. I would love to be able to serve as many as I could. Uh, but when I see that 100, what I actually know is we've probably affected 10,000. And so if we've affected 10,000, then what's that spreading throughout society? And so that's, that's what gives me hope to keep, keep moving in this, in this direction. Yeah, that's beautiful to hear. So how would you describe trauma within a human being? How would you describe it? Um, um, tissue memory. Uh, tissue stores memory. I can pull on my skin and it bounces back because of tissue memory. 
Um, so for example, if you're in a car accident, um, the first thing that comes out of your mouth is like, what, you know, what was that? Right. And it, it, that trauma gets stored at that point because now you've asked your body and your brain to find an answer to what was that your brain and body, they're working to keep you on the planet. So they store that question, right. To try to find an answer. But the problem is we keep going about our day. There's no logical answer to what that was other than a crash, but our body doesn't know that it can let go of that question. And in my opinion, that's what trauma is. Mm. So do you believe it's possible for everyone to overcome trauma if, of course, if they uh, implement the right things? Yes, absolutely. Absolutely. I don't, I don't, I, I began by saying that I'm, enamored by our unlimited healing potential. I don't think there's anything that anyone cannot move through. I don't. I think our, our healing potential is absolutely unlimited. Beautiful. So what's the best way for people to contact you for your services? Um, they can either go on my the best way is to go on my website. It's www.catalyst, C-A-T-A-L-Y-S-T, refuge, R-E-F-U-G-E.com, catalystrefuge.com. Um, I've got Facebook, Instagram. Those are both at Catalyst Refuge. But all my information, all the information about the program, all my contact information is on the website. So that's probably the best way to do it. Good. So have you written any books or anything? I, I actually have. I just I finished a book last May. Uh, it's called The Catalyst Experience, How Rescued Tigers Heal Trauma-Scarred Souls. I wrote, I wrote that with a, a gentleman named Graham Spence, who's a fantastic writer. Uh, so I elicited his help, and uh, we put that book out last May. It is on Amazon and also Barnes and Noble online. Thank Great. you for asking. Great. So what's your one to grow on? Meaning what valuable piece of information would you like to leave our audience with? You know, I think more than anything, uh, be kind to yourself. That's the most important thing. Uh, in my opinion, because then that kindness can spread to others. And being kind um, means to take care of yourself and begin allowing yourself to be vulnerable. Thank you for listening to The New Mind Creator Podcast with your host, Maurice, The New Mind Creator. This podcast has been sponsored by Abundant Sports and True Serum. Head over to www.mauriceflournoy.com to receive more motivation and insight to help create your new mind.